Welcome back, listeners, to a brand new episode of The New Standard. And you're checking out a new program called Who's Arthur Smith? And we have a special guest that we want to bring on. Matt Steele of SteelCityInsider.com is going to break down just who is Arthur Smith, largely from the perspective of his football. What are we getting? What are the Steelers getting when they talk about Arthur Smith? Let me bring Matt in. Hey, Matt, welcome to the program, sir. Matt, how you doing? Good to have you. Good to be awesome. here, Matt. Good. It's awesome. Thank to have you. Thank you for, for hopping on the program with us and jumping into this. Before we jump into it, please give the listeners uh, just your football background. Okay. I mean, I'm going to give them a little bit of a Steeler background, and I live in the Detroit area, and ever since I can remember, literally my fourth birthday, I had a Steeler shirt on. So this good, has been good, a, good for you. It's been a fandom since I can remember, like literally, right? So, and, uh, you know, I grew up baseball, basketball, football, I played baseball in college. Uh, football was my first love affair, though. You know, when I was a grow, uh, graduated high school, I wasn't big enough to – to move on into that sport. So I chose baseball and, you know, I always just, I'm a student of the game, right? So, and plus I've been teaching and coaching and I've coached football, junior high, high school level, uh, talk to coaches all the time on those levels. And I just love the game. So, and I've always been watching it from a perspective of like, what's the best way to do it? And how can my Steelers win a Super Bowl? What are championship teams doing? my Steelers are not doing. And then you evolve your identity in terms of like how you want to see the game played. And so that just in a nutshell, if I can just not get too far off the rails and talking about it is what I do. But as, as a coach, teaching and coaching and training athletes is what I've been doing since my early twenties. It's, it's just coaching is what I do. It's my profession. So I mix it in with the football knowledge, right? And you and you look 23, so. Yeah, I'm 48, I was, man. I was, I was running sprints this morning. <laughs> I got in that cold tub this morning. I teach health, man. So, like, and I'll show you at some point, somebody like, because I can still move. That's my passion, right? It's like athletic movement and teaching it and, and, and sort of living it. It's, it's quite a journey and a level of knowledge that I've acquired in doing this stuff, so. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And um, uh, I have some friends that are Detroit Lion fans who I have still not talked to after the defeat to the 49ers. I'm yeah. giving them time. As you should. Kinda, yes. I mean, I, I normally I would have called and would have made a bunch of jokes. But yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, I never knew I had. A little bit of lions in me i have every detroit sport i'm a university of michigan fan don't tell my father-in-law but i used to sort of root for michigan state too because i wanted to see the state do well they're my second team when i was a kid but like i'm watching the lions and i want them to win i got the dads around me and i want to see them have the joy that i've experienced with the steelers and watching that thing just you know, Dan Campbell being allergic to kicking a field goal and not knowing how to manage the clock. I know what 108 and one looks like from Bill Cower and damn it, feed David Montgomery the ball and they're not stopping them and you're just stopping yourselves. And it, it was frustrating. I, I was frustrated the next day, but I was also happy. I wasn't a Lions fan truly because I don't know how I could get over that one. 
They just, just handed it. Let me just say this. My my wife is from San Francisco. Okay. And so it's happy wife, happy life. Yeah. She was very nervous at halftime, quite upset. I kind of just ran to a different part of the house. But I, <laughs> but I am happy that her 49ers are going to the Super, the Super Bowl. But let's switch reels real quick. Yeah. What yeah. was your thought on the hire? And was Arthur Smith your first choice? If not, who was your first choice? He was my second choice to Clint Kubiak. But I tell you what, after reconsidering, he would be my first choice. The reason why I had him a little bit down, I was concerned about the Atlanta stuff. You know, I didn't like the pistol stuff, too much shotgun out of first and second down. But they didn't have the quarterbacks and maybe Ritter couldn't get under center. I don't know. But you give, you take me back to 2020 and he was my number one. Because that is the style of football that I've been writing about and preaching for 10 years, trying to put that word out there that let's get back to Steeler football and let's support the quarterback and let's build from the trenches and let's get downhill, run play action off of it. The, the Steelers have not been able to get the free. And if your wife's a 49ers fan, she knows, man, there's guys running wide open yards after the catch from Absolutely. well-designed routes. And the Steelers have not had that forever. And so Arthur Smith provides that. We got to make it easier on the quarterback. And, you know, I, I just think, too, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it's money, TV, if it's college football, if it's the Tom Brady effect from 2007 and everybody's got to go pass happy. But there's too much pressure put on the quarterback. And I think average guys can win multiple championships if you build it around them. And I, for the Steelers – Give me a top five defense, a top three defense, a very good offensive line, a play-action game. Let's get them in the two-minute drills. Let's have some good third-down receivers that we can move the chains on third downs, and I think you can win that way. It's interesting that you say that uh, because just from looking at it from afar, I think a lot of franchises and fans are afraid of the moniker game manager. Oh, think, absolutely. I think that moniker of game manager and just what that is affects how a lot of fan bases and ownership groups uh, look at the quarterback position mm -hmm. and look at scheme and how scheme should help a quarterback. But let me ask you this, just mm -hmm. as a frame of reference, mm -hmm. because a lot of fans, when they look at offenses, they'll go Shanahan tree, uh, they'll go Reed tree, so on and so forth. Um, how would you describe Arthur Smith's offense? Um, use an adjective to describe it when you think of it. And kind of where does he fit from a uh, philosophical standpoint if a fan were to think of a tree? Matt LaFleur wanted to take him. He was in Tennessee, wanted to take him to Green Bay. I think there's a strong connection to that Shanahan, you know, tree there, Kubiak, however you want to call it. Um, you know, and I think Wex. Jim Wexel brought up this point about Mike Malarkey, I think said, and if it's true and Malarkey said that, it's best, you know, exotic smash mouth. And that's what I want. That's what we want. We want to be able to run. Yeah. Run the ball downhill and then and move that line of scrimmage and then run that exotic play action game off of it where you're getting the yards after the catch, the wide open receivers, 
making it easier on the quarterback, but you're doing the crossing routes and then the vertical routes where they catch it on the move. You know, in the last 10, 15 years, how many times do we see the Steelers receivers catch the ball in a standstill with their back turned to the end zone? You know, they're not catching the ball on the move. It just was never well designed. It made all put all the pressure on the quarterback. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking – you know, ex- you know, modern day smash mouth, exotic smash mouth, however you want to call it. And I think it is better in this sense than, let's say, the LaFleur, McVeigh, Shanahan, because I'd rather have two tight ends. It's Pittsburgh. It's cold weather. So if t- two tight ends and 21 personnel is going to get back into the equation, along with three wide receivers, I'm all for it. Because you look at the splits for Ant- Arthur Smith, he was kind of like, what 20 percent just over 20 percent with 21 personnel you know maybe like 30 percent with three wide receivers and 25 30 with so it was a nice mix of 11 12 and 21 and that's that's balance you know i like this before we get into the specifics of that do you think connor hayward could be the use check or if they went to 13 personnel could he be that type of guy? Because I know that um, in looking a little bit at Arthur Smith, they ran some 13 as well. Could yeah. he be a guy that could fit? Or or do you think when you look at their tight end room, that that room is good enough to kind of play in his scheme? I think he needs to move the fullback. Now, fullback is used a little bit differently, more as an H, but you see – Use check and he's used more closer to the line of scrimmage a lot, and they'll call it 21 personnel. Uh, and he did a pretty good job. Hayward did a blocking last year, but I would like to see him in the backfield more lined up as a traditional or maybe offset eye fullback. Now he need to put a little bit more size on. I think what we want that big line up front and i think what is missing is that six foot three 250 pound h back type player uh pruitt uh is it i forgot his first name he's followed smith around from tennessee he was in atlanta he's kind of an h back that might he's a free agent that might come at a veteran minimum but i'm kind of looking at and i don't know if it fits the equation of john smith going to get released more than likely by Atlanta. And now you have a weapon there. And now you have three really good tight ends and versatile roles. Cause I'm not sure yet uh, what, uh, what Washington gives you in the passing, the passing game, game. Yeah. you know, uh, I, he runs four six and I would like to see him run down the seam on a vertical. And I think if you run some delayed screens and, and get him, in an open space and get his big body moving. He can do some nice things for you, but it just gives you another, another dimension. If they're able to add a guy like Smith, Smith didn't have a lot of success in new England and I'm not sure he's going to have success somewhere else. And maybe he wants to follow Smith. I don't know. It seems sort of unlikely and Pruitt might be more of an answer, but to go back to your original, I think they need a little bit more size there as they're pushing that line of scrimmage. And that's just, yeah. Let me give you some numbers here. Let me give you some numbers because mm-hmm. you mentioned Tennessee. And, you know, when I looked at Arthur Smith, I'm focusing and I was listening to you when you were talking about coaching to introduce yourself. And, you know, from my brief stint, I, I coached varsity sports for about three seasons. And 
I recognize very early that there's a difference between being a coordinator or a position coach and a head coach. And so I'm looking at some of his performance more so in 2019 and 2020 when I look at Arthur Smith. Let me give you a couple of numbers from 2020 because they were outstanding. They averaged 29.6. Their offensive DVOA was ranked fifth. Mm -hmm. Their run DVOA was fifth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their yards, uh, I'm looking here, yards per attempt was 7.1. They averaged five yards a carry, ran it about Mm -hmm. 51% of the time. Uh, High success rate in terms of their offensive, 51%, which was first. Uh, Dropback EPA was third. Dropback success rate EPA was third. When you look at those numbers, and of course in Tennessee, they had Tannehill and they had Chris Henry, they had King Henry. Could you see some of, first of all, does the personnel match? Do you think it matches what they want to do? Do you think we'll see a similar type approach in Pittsburgh? Could you see Pittsburgh's offense ever being good enough under Smith to hit these type of numbers? That's going to depend on on Kenny Pickett, but, you know, Tannehill was pretty average running the mill until – he got in that system, and then he had a 117.5 rating and a 106.5 in 19 and 2020. And I'm saying let's get Kenny to 100 passer rating somehow, and I think this system allows him to do that. Najee Harris fits perfect for what they were doing with Derrick Henry. Now, if you look at Derrick Henry's first three years, they were pretty ordinary, and then he got Arthur Smith, and then he took off 1,500 yards, 2,000 yards. You know, you hope that Najee won't get that high because he's got Warren behind him. Um, but I, I could see similar success. Now, is Pickens going to be their A.J. Brown, right? Yeah. Like uh, Brown has that size to run over the middle, and now he gets the ball, and he's like a running back at 230 pounds. Pickens is a little bit leaner. Uh, Pickens, does he create as much separation? I mean, he's only going to get better. Me personally, I don't want to get down that road, but I would look the way I I view salary cap structure. I would look to move him now and try to build the offensive and defensive line. I want to win through the line of scrimmage. But if they get a center with Najee Harris to get downhill, one of those two kids, maybe Zach Frazier from West Virginia or uh, the uh, kid from Oregon, Jackson, three names. It's just just like Joey Porter. It's the same initials, but like – you get that inside caving in, and they're very difficult to stop all of a sudden. Um, now, it's interesting you say that. I'm glad you brought up Kenny Pickens because I think right now Steeler Nation is kind of in a quandary in terms of how they're looking at the quarterback position. Um, I think there's, in my opinion, a little bit of recency, a little bit of recency bias there because the quarterback position – the quality of it has been up and down since Big Ben's retirement. And even in Big Ben's last few years, quarterback play still was marginal. You know, yeah. he was he was really operating yeah. as, as, as a physically move. compromised player. Yeah. Um, and so to a certain extent, I think Steeler Nation, their expectation around the quarterback position is low, very low. Describe to me, or do you agree with this this question or statement? Does 
Arthur Smith's offense make it easy for the quarterback to operate and see a clear picture consistently when they're playing? Because I think a lot of concern that I've heard from people on my show is Kenny can't read the field. Kenny is having problems with accuracy. Kenny plays like a player who's kind of kind of stuck. I mean, we'll find out, right? Because Marcus Mariota didn't have success, and then they replaced him with Tannehill, and Tannehill flourished. So this allows you to find out about Kenny and what can he be a Tannehill, maybe even a little bit better, because I think he might be a little bit more mentally resilient, let's say, than Tannehill. I, you know, um, but I mean, I I think the thing about Kenny. He can be average, and average can win you championships, and he might be able to get you top 10. Here's what I see that I like. He doesn't turn the ball over much. I'm, I know I'm not talking about necessarily the afraid to throw over the middle, and I don't even think that was the, the issue, but he doesn't fumble. He didn't fumble one time. He had two fumbles last year, one reaching the ball out of bounds, and two on a snap that Mason Cole, you know, was on any bobble it a little bit, and that was his two fumbles. So he doesn't take hits in the pocket where he, he fumbles, and then so he protects the ball because you know those quarterbacks that just throw two or three balls a game that you're saying, what are you doing, and you're throwing it yeah, to the other yeah. team, and, and you're a backup, and he's not that, and he's only in year two, and then he he's clutch at the end of games, you know, to come back in some of those games, and some of them are pressure games. I mean, you want to win the Franco Harris game, and he did that, and it was cold, and he's cutting through that cold weather, and then here's what I saw last year, second play of the game against – Arizona, he gets under center, second and two, runs play action, throws a 38-yard dart in stride to Pickens. He can throw the play action, the ball. Then against the Raiders, same thing. They finally run a play action over the middle. He hits it, and then they they run it. They stay balanced. He hits a play action again to Fryermuth for a touchdown, and you say, all right, he can do that. And then last year, they, when they went seven and two, he's 50% on third downs when they got under center, and they limited his – they limited his reads, okay? Yes, because he gets skittish. You put him in the gun, and now the game starts scrambling, and now he starts running left instead of staying in the pocket. But if you lead with the run, lead with play action, what does San Francisco do? Ask their quarterback to make five to seven difficult throws a game. And then now you get him in third down, and then here's your third down package, buddy. And this is what you expect to see out of this defense. And we're going to run this on third down. And then you simplify it for him on two-minute drills and third downs. And then I think he can grow organically. I do. You know, he's young, but he's not – everybody thinks that, oh, Stroud comes in or Ben comes in and everybody's got to be it day one. It doesn't work that way. Look at Jordan Love, you know. So it takes time sometimes. And I'm willing to give that kid time because of some of the things that he's already shown us. Here's the thing that I've said on the show, and I've been ripped for this because I've had a lot of fans talk about Mason Rudolph being the bridge guy. Mm -hmm. And I've made jokes that a bridge to where, you know, like a bridge, you got to get a bridge connects two points. I don't know where this bridge is taking me. It's a Mm -hmm. bridge to no return. Like, because when I look at it, I'm saying, Okay, they've had Mason Rudolph for almost five seasons. You know what you have. It's not impossible that someone, a quality professional, can have a good streak. You can get into a rhythm. 
You can play uh, a couple of good games and have a good streak. But now, and I think it really happens in Steeler Nation, because of where the quarterback play has been, those three games, I think they've been taken to the point where he's the next Joe Burrow. Like he's <laughs> our next guy. He's our bridge guy. He's going to get us to – my perspective is this. They know what he is, and they drafted a guy in the first round. They signed another guy in Mitch Trubisky. If they wanted to have him as their guy, bridge guy, he could have been. They tried to do that, and they chose to move forward with Kenny Pickett. So I'm saying, why not put Kenny in a better scheme Mm -hmm. to help support whatever he is? And figure out what he is instead of, in my opinion, it would be taking a step back, starting Mason and starting this whole process over. Why don't you see ultimately what you have in Kenny Pickett as a player? Do I sound crazy? No, I think that's a lot of what they're going to do. But let's let's briefly talk about Mason because or we'll talk about how we want to talk about him. But, like, yes. you know, I, I like Mason. And uh, do I think he's a superstar? No. But even back in 2019, I was making that, hey, if you bring this guy along the right way, maybe he could be another Kirk Cousins type dude. And he was stuck in the worst offense in football. That offense that is the Ben Roethlisberger dink, I can't throw, move, let me get it out quick. No play action. They're dead last in play action. They're dead last in yeah, – it's awful. It was a hard watch for years. And even with Ben, I just knew they were pretenders. And so, you know, but Mason needed that play action game. He needed that support. And what was it, 2019 or 20 when he had that 315-yard game against Cleveland? And he, he hits Deontay on a ball down the sideline as he's getting hit thirty on the money, 35 yards down yeah. the field, and he hits the long ball to Deontay at the end of the game, and he throws a beautiful deep ball. I'm thinking, what numbers can he put up if he has a play-action game and he has a running game to support him? I mean, of course, he looked, you know, some mediocre against the Lions in the rain, and you worry about certain weather conditions, and you definitely worry about, all right, is he going to hold that ball too long? And now he's a little bit statuesque and he can't get out of the pocket. And now he fumbles. And we saw some of that, even though it was bad weather in Baltimore. Um, I do worry about the turnovers a little bit when it comes to Mason. But I think when you bring, if you bring Mason back, I, competition makes us better. And so I think ultimately he knows they probably, unless he's way better somehow than, than Pickett, that he probably is the backup and you structure a two-year contract where you say, all right, this is your starting money, but if you're the backup, this is what you get. And, you know, they can, they're going to have to work that out and figure it out. I think he could go to Atlanta where Zach Robinson is, you know, um, and that would be a better opportunity maybe for him. But let me ask you this too, Lance. What about Tannehill? If he comes in, I don't feel comfortable with that either. Reason being is he already knows the system. So he's going to look a lot better than than Pickett in August as Pickett's learning and trying to, you know, it's a new system for everybody. You got the guy that already knows it. And now week one, you start Pickett and then you have maybe the locker room saying uh, this. He shouldn't be starting. 
I mean, between the two, I think Mason is like more of a culture fit than maybe even Tannehill. And I'm getting in and in, in big up to Corey Hatcher. Corey Hatcher uh, is is a coach, and he's saying, uh, "Please no Tannehill." This is why. <laughs> this is why I think I would go the Tannehill route instead of the Mason route because already on record you have Deontay Johnson and others already saying they want Mason Rudolph to be the starter. And Deontay uh, needs to go, but yeah. It's so, it's so I I'm terrible at cliches, but it's, I feel like the divide it's the divided house cliche. I'm trying yeah. to think of, but I'm terrible with cliches. Yeah. I feel like that pressure of guys in your locker room, that have already planted their flag with Mason Rudolph, that that just makes it kind of weird, could make it weird in terms of the competition. I like the case of put your eggs in the picket basket. Yeah. Bring in Tanny Hill with the understanding, have the frank conversation. This is Kenny's team. Right. And and try to build it from there and see what you have. Right. No, that, that makes total sense too. Because then you give Tannehill a backup quarterback contract where you don't He's have bitch. it too tiered, you know, like you would with Mason. Where, all right. Uh, so that's a conundrum. That's a, something that, you know, the organization, I'm sure, is going to have conversations on too, right? And yeah, I, I can see the positives and negatives almost to both sides of that equation. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I think about the negative, I think about is, you're in the AFC North with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. I don't, you know, whether it's Tannehill, Pickett, whether it's Pickett, Mason Rudolph, neither neither quarterback room, you can add them all up and they're not Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Like that is the ultimate issue. But let me ask you this on Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. and, and where do you stand? Because – over the last few weeks, I've been doing a bunch of shorts on Kenny Pickett. I've been called Kenny Pickett's biggest fan, and I don't have I don't have a dog in this fight at all. Right. And I, I came up with three things to describe where I think Steeler Nation is with Kenny Pickett. One, you got some people he that are like, hell yeah, he's the guy. You got some people that's ah, he's mid, and you got some people that say. He's not it, man. He's not the guy. Where where are you if I were to give you these three in terms of Kenny Pickett? He's mid. Maybe I think he can elevate to slightly <laughs> above that. But, you know, mid, Jimmy Garoppolo is knocking on the doorstep of a, a Super Bowl. And if Mahomes doesn't make an incredible third and 13 throw, he's a champion. And the right guard that was getting killed by Chris Jones, if they would have had somebody adequate, they win that too. I, you know, I, I just think that Kenny could grow into, I think his ceiling could be top eight to 10. He's not going to be an elite quarterback. He just doesn't have, but to me, he doesn't have like the elite skills or arm strength or anything like that. He's not overly dynamic athletically, but he's a very good athlete. He can throw on the wrong go to his right or left. Uh, he's tough. Like I said, he protects the ball. So I think to me, he's the perfect system quarterback. And that's really what I've wanted for a long time because 
it's been a hard watch watching the Steelers play the last 10, 15 years. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I've been watching it and I've been writing about it saying this isn't going to work. And I've been pretty detached with just letting it play out and knowing that this is not a championship. Even when they started off 11 and 0, I'm like, they're going to lose in the first round. And you could see it dipping because they're just not balanced. And you got, we know what that looks like, man. 2004 right. and 2005 taught me a hell of a lot. I know what 26 and four, I know what a running game with an elite quarterback looks like. I don't understand why everybody doesn't do it. You know, unless you don't have Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't get it. Like Josh Allen would flourish with a play action and run 50, 50 type deal. And, you know, it just makes your whole team better. It's the ultimate team game. So I think with Kenny, you don't get enamored and they were already. For a year or two, they're trying to make him throw it way more than he should be. But hopefully they learn that, hey, like we can't get enamored with him in the passing game. We got to lead run first. And now you got a guy who's mobile who can step up and you make some plays with his legs, make some throws on the run. He protects the ball. And I think that could put him on a very good path with him. So I'm definitely mid on that. But yeah, mid with him. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm mid because he's not a high traits. He's not a high-level physical traits guy. However, he's not a low traits guy either. He's right. kind of just, and as Corey would describe him, he's kind of mid. He does, he's a mid-traits guy. He runs, he kind of gets out of the pocket okay. Like, he doesn't do anything particularly well. But I think like you're saying is we've mixed up as fans, I think, game manager. If you put him in a scheme that is friendly, that is quarterback friendly, that allows him to build confidence, I Absolutely. think what he showed in the fourth quarter yeah. makes you say, okay, if we can get him confident, yeah, he has the ability – to play in big spots. Before we get out of here, yeah. everybody, yeah. you've been listening to the new standard with my friend Matt Steele. Uh, and uh, let me give you some over-unders before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, give me some over-unders on the following numbers. Yep. In the first year of Arthur Smith's system, the Steelers will average over 23 points a game or under. I'm going to say over. Okay. I'm going to say over. I don't know if that's wishful thinking, but I have I have some confidence going into next year. I do. You know, uh, I would be surprised if Kenny doesn't take that next step and maybe has a, a passer rating in the 90s. And, uh, you know, Najee's getting downhill and, and so is Warren. And then we got a play action game. It might take a little bit of time. But I think definitely by the second half of the year, I, I expect to see that. You know, whether get, it's overall, hey, we'll see. Let me give you this number. Mm -hmm. Pickett, 4,000 yards passing. Under. Under. Okay, Pickens, 1,200 yards receiving. I, you know, I almost hoped it, it's under because I don't okay. want to be throwing the ball too much. Uh <laughs> You know, Najee. like I wanted about 50-50. I, I, you know what, though? This offense would be better for him. I'm going to say over. 
let's say Najee, 1,200 yards rushing. How much they, do they use Warren? I, I was, You're pretty close on these numbers, by the way, my friend. That like I would mean. say – I would say over, but not much because Warren is there. Let's you know, see. If he, yeah, let me yeah. just say this about it. If he can get 1,000 yards with what they were doing before, then I see 1,200 in this system with, without a doubt, You know, as long as he stays healthy. How about yards per carry as a team, four and a half? Yeah, you're right on the money with that one. That's exactly what I would guess it to be. So uh, let's go. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna say under, even though I think it might be over. Because here's why: it is about the attempts and not necessarily the yards per carry. And some of those yards per carry is inflated when you're going against, you're in the shotgun and teams got six in the box, and then you get a week seven or eight yards. It really doesn't open up things down the field. And if they stay under center and they're grinding it out at the end of games, you know, maybe it's at 4.3, but it's still a winning 4.3. So, right, right. Yeah. Oh, let me let me let me pop this one in here mm-hmm. uh, from Corey Hatcher. Warren and Harris, a combined 2K. Yes. As long as they stay healthy, I think what they had 1800 this year and they didn't even have a play action game. So and then I think the line is going to get better. I'm going to say over on that one. And the last one I want to ask you, Steelers win a playoff game this year. Ooh. Yeah, that's – hey, if this is what I've been asking for for I don't know how many years, and we're finally, I think, getting it. If they give us the Atlanta version of, of Smith, I'm going to be pulling my hair out again, you know. So – but if it's what I'm thinking it is – Absolutely, I think this can be done. And, you know, I'll say yes because, I mean, they've been knocking on the door anyway. You know, Mike Tomlin gets his teams ready to play, and they play hard for him. And, you know, they got some really good pieces along the defense. I think think they'll – just to keep it short because I could talk about this for 10 minutes, I'll say yes, they're going to get one. (laughs) I think uh, Steeler Nation would be happy – uh, with one uh, because, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while since 2016, and um, I, 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 I'm pleased. Let me ask you another one yeah. while, I got, while I got you on. Let me d- jump into Dennis's, Dennis Wright's. Pat Fryermuth over or under seven touchdowns? Mm. That's a good question. You know, they should utilize him more in the middle of the field than in the red zone. Uh how many touchdown passes is he, he going to get if you're running it down their throat and they can't stop it? Uh, I'm going to still say under. That's a lot for a tight end. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say under as well. Let me ask yeah. you one last one when it comes yeah. to touchdown passes. Uh, Kenny Pickett, 17 touchdown passes, plus or minus? Over. Over. Okay. Because touchdown passes are – I went to 17 because touchdown passes are kind of on the downside over the last few years. I didn't want to put it at 20. No, I get it. Pressure. Yeah, I know. And uh, the thing is, is man, I, I, the question I have is how close can he get to hundred passer rating? Right. Yeah. And it's like, all right, if you average eight yards of pass attempt and you have three touchdown passes and one interception, 
every let's say you combine that over the course of two weeks it's right around 100 you know and in this system where Tannehill averaged what 9.6 the first year and about eight eight yards of pass attempt the second year and he had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions year two okay if Kenny can do 25 touchdowns and you know 24 and six or something like that some type of ratio like that huh I think it's doable in that system because uh, you know I've been watching a lot of a lot of highlights of that and some breakdowns and man there's some guys running wide open so I think it's he takes be interesting I, yeah. I I I am pleasantly surprised and happy that they went outside the building I think that's the first good sign yeah um, huge. you know just hearing about them potentially wanting to sign a passing game coordinator how real that is, mm-hmm. uh, maybe expanding the staff. I, I think those are all good signs because I think they see, and it's indicative that I think they're realizing their approach needs some tweaking. Yep. That, 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 that it, that it needs some tweaking, not to say that it's, they're saying it's completely stale, but they're saying, there's some we need to fine tune this a bit. Well, I I like the direction that they went with the interviews that they had, even though it seemed like the guy that they wanted, they went with that system, that McVeigh Shanahan tree system. You know, I remember you asked me a while back. You said, "Why no be enemy?" I'm like, "Well, they're standing in the gun, chucking it around, and Sam right. Howell's taking over 60 sacks, and I don't want to see that anymore. They got to run first, run play action." And they went in that direction. And in every single other hire from an offensive coordinator standpoint from other teams, I'm so thankful. Did you imagine? I mean, Ken Dorsey and Cleveland, what are they doing? You know, so there was just so many bad hires that I thought, like, this was the best scenario to work out for us. And I like the head coaching aspect, too. I don't, I'm not sure how that will work itself out, but. I don't think it's bad to have another guy in the building beautiful. with head coaching experience Yeah, who firmly knows what his role is. He knows he's not the head coach, right? but he can help the head coach with certain things. If Absolutely. the head coach needs some head coaching type well, things help. Yeah. And that reminds me of your point earlier when you said about Arthur Smith being a head coach instead of an OC and some guys are better OCs. Think about it this way. I think Chris Long was talking about that on his podcast. He said, you know, I don't know how these guys can do both because there's so many responsibilities for a head coach from, you know, flight responsibilities and you're booking all this and you have these different meetings and this and away from football and you got to do the offense on top of it. So when it comes to Atlanta and I think, well, Dave Ragone was the offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith was calling plays. Is it possible that, Ragone was primarily designing the game plan and Arthur Smith is calling the plays from there. And that's why we saw such a difference from what we saw in Tennessee. I'm hoping that's the case. Hey, look at Dick LeBeau, two and 14 as a head coach. He comes back to coordinating and he's the man, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different skill set, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you. uh, Maddie Steele, AKA Maddie Cecil. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a pleasure lance i appreciate thank it thank you man. for getting fun. us on hopefully we're gonna try to get you on uh during the year as well yeah that's if 
Uh, that's if hopefully uh, that Mason Rudolph does not start. Because I have <laughs> said if Mason Rudolph starts, that's the end of my podcast. I'm done. <laughs> I've, I've already said it. I'm done. <laughs> let's, I'll just watch from afar. I'll just watch, I'll just, I'm done. I'll just watch from afar. Uh, I suffered through too much of this and Cliff Stoughton and, 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 and Kit Graham and all these yeah. other guys. I can't, I yeah. can't take it anymore. I'm getting a little bit too old yeah. um, that I'm just going to exit stage. Right. But thank you. I want to get you on definitely um, as, as this starts to unfold and we start to see some of these moves. Uh, I, I definitely want to get you on probably around preseason as we might see some of the offense, a little bit of the guts uh, yeah. of the offense and see what it's looking like. Uh, David Woodley, that's a name. That was terrible. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Bobby Brister. Yeah, uh, Mark that Malone. Was I was, yeah, yeah, Mark so, Malone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like mm-hmm. I've seen some bad ones. Uh, but thank <laughs> you for hopping on the show. We're going to get you back on. Wanna Thanks thank for having you me. Once again, uh, mm-hmm. enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll be reaching out to you. Pardon me? And we'll be reaching back out to you to get you back. Oh, sounds fantastic. Lance, I had a blast talking Steeler football with you. So happy to do it. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to a special Sunday live edition. And that was fantastic. And we're going to go ahead and get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.